We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back. This is the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier. Joined as always my co-host, Nick Filato. Today we're here to break down the details of the Daniel Jones contract, in addition to reflect on what General Manager Joe Shane during his post-Daniel Jones signing presser said. There's a few comments from Daniel Jones as well, nothing that I thought was interesting enough to speak on today. Pretty bland, milquetoast stuff that we'd expect, which is good. It's part of what's made him who he is. But now that we have further details in the contract, Nick, I think there's a lot more to talk about. When we discussed this in somewhat of an emergency podcast just a few days ago, we only had a few details. We had the guaranteed money. We didn't know if that was the total guaranteed money or just the guaranteed over the first two years. And we had the total contract. Now we have a lot more details. Dan, remember on a podcast a few weeks ago, we were talking about the Daniel Jones extension and we were like, as long as there's a two year out, a la a Derek Carr type of deal, right? That's what we said. But we were started hearing these rumblings that it was going to be more of a five-year deal and there wasn't going to be an out. And that's where we were a little hesitant. Well, it seems like the Giants constructed this specific contract in a manner to where they can get out of it in two years. That's a very prudent and very wise thing for Joe Shane to do. And it gives me this nice, warm, fuzzy feeling once I started digging into the details. Because the devil is always in the details with a lot of these contracts. And it seems to me like this is constructed well in the sense that if Daniel Jones does fall on his face, the Giants can get out of this contract after two years, and it's not going to kill them in the long term. Yeah, it definitely yeah. won't kill them in the long term. It's They can get they have chances to get out of this contract in year after year two and after year three. So what we know is it's a, in they're not getting it. There's a minimum of two years on this contract. It's 82 million guaranteed up front, essentially that they're, they're making it past year two for sure. But then if they want to cut him, if things go completely wrong and things bottom out after year three, after year two, before year three, only 12 million of his 2025 salary of 30 million can become fully can ever become fully guaranteed. So basically if they cut bait after two year, it will be 18 million money, $18 million in dead cap hit, but $21.5 million in cap savings. So by comparison, the giants are taking a 15 million dead cap hit to cut Kenny Galladay after year two. So it is possible to take on that kind of dead cap. hit. That's not a poison pill. They can, if things go wrong with Jones, they can take that cap hit on, but Assuming Jones does as well as he did this past year, they're not going to do that. But after year three, that's when it becomes basically everything almost and essentially comes off the book. What re the reality of the situation is here. Let me break down some of the notes from Paul Schwartz, who wrote about this. And I think he did a good job covering this. But 
none of the $47.5 million that's in Jones's contract for that 2026 season, which would be the fourth year on this supposed four-year deal, is essentially guaranteed. $46 million of it is base salary. Only $1 million in roster bonus and $500,000 in workout bonus is guaranteed. So if they were to cut him before that fourth year, it would just be $1.5 million in dead cap. So that's why Schwartz says, essentially, this is a three-year, $112.5 million deal, which is actually a $37.5 million average annual salary. So we were told, you know, it's the $40 million number. The reality is this is a three-year deal with a 37.5 million dollar cap number and they have a potential out after year two if things go really wrong and out after year three that almost completely clears the books and then essentially a team option for year four that's basically what it comes down to the giants can decide at that point is jones worth that money is jones somebody we want to keep and at that point it's almost like a win for the giants because they're going to have team control now maybe his agent will want to negotiate a new deal if jones really takes that step forward and breaks out that's a whole nother issue they're going to have to deal with down the line of this contract in year three and four anyway regardless of what happens but they will at least have that team control by the numbers by the book by the contract that they sign and again Worst comes to worst, they can do a Galladay-type cut like they did this offseason right before year three. So they really gave themselves a ton of flexibility. Originally, I thought, you know, the Joneses side of this really won this deal because they got to the $40 million mark they wanted. They really inflated that number to make it seem like that's something that needs to happen without really ever him ever testing the market or testing his true value. But when you look at the finer details, it really does come down to only two-year commitment for sure. That third year, again, an optional year. Then that fourth year is just pure team option at that point. So the Giants kind of got what they wanted to. Yes, they're paying him for what he can become rather than what he's been. But at the same time, there's only two years guaranteed for what they're paying him at that price. And Brian Dable was consulted, right? And we trust Brian Dable's ability to evaluate quarterbacks. So I'm imagining if Brian Dable coached Daniel Jones this entire year, he sees what Daniel Jones' potential is. And if he believes that he can get Daniel Jones to another level, this contract isn't that bad. Because if Daniel Jones doesn't get there, then like we've said, the Giants can get at him. I feel much better about this contract than I did when we recorded the immediate reaction. Because the initial report that was leaked, I think by Tom Pelissero was, it's $82 million guaranteed over the first two years. And I'm like, well, what the hell about the other two years? <laughs> like, what's going on with those two years? Yeah, right. Is there an out? We weren't sure because before, like I said a little bit earlier, what a couple of weeks ago, we were hearing that there might not be a two-year out to this type of contract. And we were like, oh crap, the Giants aren't going to be that irresponsible allocating that much money to a quarterback with one year coming off of a good year. And they did. So Joe Shane, I feel like did a pretty solid job here. Yeah, he definitely did. And he structured it in a really interesting way because like you said, the goal here is Brian Dable and Joe Shane got together and they said, based on what we've seen from Daniel Jones, we'll talk a little bit more about this shortly because it dips a bit into Shane's presser that we're going to discuss. But based on what we've seen and our projection for what he can become, we believe that we need to at least invest in him for the next two years. That's what this essentially is. This isn't them saying Daniel Jones is our franchise quarterback. He's the next Patrick Mahomes. All we have to do is get him receivers and O-line. He's going to be Patrick Mahomes. This is him saying, we think there's a chance that he could be that guy. Let's put two years of guaranteed money into that. With a third year where you can get out of it, but you really can't. You, you can and you can't. You can if you want to, but you don't want to there. So essentially three years, but two years for sure. 
into potentially seeing if he can become that guy. So it's almost like slapping him with the franchise tag two years in a row, but it's cheaper than that because it would have cost more, I think, to slap him with it that second year. But it probably would have cost around the same as $82 million. So maybe it's a little bit cheaper. It's almost like a two-year run of franchise tags like the uh, Washington Commanders did with Kirk Cousins a little bit while back in his career. But at the same time, it's also like a two-year commitment from them to them saying, and look, if they're, this is why it comes down to, I think this is a win for the Giants now based on the contract details. You got the flexibility within the contract, but you also now commit to a player who's just 25 years old and your guy believes in him. Brian Dable believes in him. And if Brian Dable believes in him and Joe Shane believes in him, I have to believe in him too. So Jones comes out ahead in the first two years in terms of making money if it was two more franchise tags. He's going to make $11 million okay. more than if the Giants did franchise tag him twice. The thing is, now Jones also has that opportunity to prove himself to earn another contract while he's still in his 20s, presumably with the New York Giants, right. if he takes that next step forward. But if he doesn't, the Giants, this is where the Giants come out ahead if you want to look at it in an adversarial type of way. This is where the Giants come out ahead. If he does not take those steps, then they can get out of it and the Giants will be relatively unscathed and they won't have to pay a price long term. That's where both sides kind of even this deal out to where both sides end up being happy. Right, exactly. It's almost like a win-win for both sides in the end of this thing. And there were a couple other interesting details I found today. According to Paul Schwartz, who spoke with another agent, he says that he strongly believes the Giants actually wanted to get a five-year deal done with Daniel Jones. They wanted to be longer term. They said this deal was actually a concession the Giants had to make, according to mm -hmm. Schwartz. And that makes sense to me. They could have spread it out longer but can continue to have a similar guaranteed money. Like let's say they only added another five, 10 million guaranteed or had a similar setup to the last year of this deal where that fourth and fifth year deal were really just team options. That gives the Giants an even better chance to win on the contract because if Jones does break out like they're hoping he can and they think he might be able to, well, now you have basically great deals down the line on his contract for two more years rather than that just that fourth year where right now it looks like it could be a bargain if Jones does take that step. And not just if Jones takes that step, like if Jones just continues to play like he did in 2022, by the time they reach the fourth year of that contract, it might end up just being a bargain based on how NFL is set up and how many quarterbacks are paid and how much they're making. Like Herbert and Burrow are not going to have a similar contract negotiation to Daniel Jones. They're going to get an insane amount of guaranteed money, probably in the 220 to $250 million range, just like Deshaun Watson got. And they're going to get about 50 to 55 million against the cap AAV. I would guess with those two contracts, Burrow and Herbert. So there's going to be a lot more contracts signed at the quarterback position from now until then. And by that point, Daniel Jones contract could end up being a really big bargain, which is why I think the giants wanted to make it a longer term deal later. But one more thing with this contract that we didn't touch on, which is there actually are incentives baked into this contract. And they're pretty interesting ones. As it was explained to pro football talk, if Jones performs basically as he did in 2023, as he did in 2022, he's going to earn another 1.75 million in incentives and another 1.75 million. So 3.5 million in 2024 escalators over the life of the contract. He can earn 12.25 million of the available 35 million in incentives, uh, pushing the total to 172.25 million, an annual average of 43 million against the cap. And those are likely to be earned. The 12.25 out of the 35 million is likely to be earned incentives. Now, there are some incentives that are not as easy to earn. He has playoff win incentives, which obviously, if he earns them, good for us. That means the Giants are winning playoff games. So I'll take that any day. And I'm perfectly happy with that. He also has incentives based on if he becomes a top 10, or sorry, if he finishes the season as a top 15, a top 10, or a top five quarterback. Now, 
we don't know exactly what the Giants are using to evaluate that. But what we do know is what the CBA allows the Giants to use. The CBA does not say to the Giants, you can use anything. You could use pro football focus grade. You can use your own grading. You can use this. You can use that. They say you have certain statistics you can use. Completion percentage, quarterback rating is basically the only I would say, quote unquote, advanced statistic, though it's a horrible statistic. The only one that actually has any value to me is yards per attempt, which they allowed them to use. And that's one of the only true. It used to be the true indicator of quarterback success. Now, I don't think that's as much the same because the game has changed so much and the ball's out so quick. And there's so much quick passing. But back in the day, that meant a lot more. Um, but yeah, so he has those chance. He has a chance to make another thirty five million on this contract. And those are just the passing incentives. Like you right, said, there's passer rating. Yeah. It, so the passing incentives that could be used is passing rating, completion percentage, interception percentage, total yards, yards per pass, and touchdown passes. But then you also have the rushing incentives of total yards, average yards, and touchdowns. And I'm wondering how much that's going to factor into this. And I also wonder, and not imagine, that Brian Dable isn't going to change the way that he used Daniel Jones. Like last year, like let's be honest, like defensive coordinators were worried about Daniel Jones' ability to beat them. And you're going to have to still rely on that going forward. Even if Daniel Jones takes the step as a passer or not, Daniel Jones' athletic ability has to be leveraged in this offense to maximize his skill set. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, let's dive into what Joe Shane said at his presser that might have meaning moving forward. I think the overall takeaway I had from Joe Shane's presser is the Giants now feel like they have flexibility to actually spend a little bit in free agency. That doesn't mean they're going to go out and be top of the market type spenders, but they're going to get depth pieces they weren't able to get last offseason. And I think they have a chance to get a Glowinski or two type contract in this free agency. And based on what I've seen, and this is a shout out to Giants fan in Charlotte, who kind of looks into this stuff more deeply than I do and kind of follows it intently and aggressively. I think he's got to be the biggest Giants fan I know. He's just constantly posed. And like, at least for the biggest, uh, I should take that back. Giants fan in, in Charlotte, you might be the biggest informed Giants fan that I know. Because there's a lot of bigger fans that are just not informed about what goes on with anything, like the salary cap or what actually wins football games. They're just like, my team's the greatest. Daniel Jones is elite. Saquon Barkley's elite. You got to resign him to a million dollar deals. But this is like an actual nuanced fan who takes a look at the cap. And he says from everything he's heard, it seems like Joe Shane's plan is to be aggressive with the salary cap and following potentially the Eagles blueprint. And what that means is a lot of potential contracts down the line that have void years, that have different little nuances that do what I always love, which is pull from the future 
to help the present because guess what? The future may never have to come. The Saints, I don't know if they'll ever address their future. If they just, you never have to pay for that final year if you just keep taking from it. Like there'll always be another year to push that cap into. Like that's kind of the whole thing with the Saints and like the Eagles and all these teams that have like kind of manipulated the cap. It's like, yeah, you're hurting your future cap situation. But what if you never have to address that future cap situation? To some degree, you never have to address that next year, right? There's always going to be a next year, no matter what. Like, so you just keep taking <laughs> from that next year. You know what I'm saying here, though, Nick? Like, course, there's always yeah. another year. Like, it doesn't end. There's no, like, this is the final year. And during that final year, you've pulled 90 million from that cap. You are screwed. There's just take it from the next year. There's another year coming. So I hope they are aggressive with their salary cap situation. And the main reason I think that, Giants fan and Charlotte is going to be correct about this. Almost at a Connecticut Giants fan and Charlotte is going to be correct about this is that to be an aggressive salary cap type team that plays with the cap, manipulates it, pulls from the future. You have to have an owner that has cash flow and that is willing to spend a lot of money up front. And that's what a lot of these teams don't exactly have. The Giants have that with John Mara. John Mara has always been willing to spend. And so that's a big key factor. As long as Joe Shane's on board with it and doesn't always have to feel like he's in good cap health, and can pull from the feet, then I think that it's going to be a possible th thing here where they can follow that Eagles blueprint, which is great news for us. And research Rick, that is Giants fan in Charlotte, he brought up how Brennan Brown might have an influence. The Giants brought right. in Brennan Brown from the front office of Howie Roseman and the Philadelphia Eagles, and that is a wise way to compete year in and year out. And eventually, Dan, you might have to pay the piper. Right. But I would rather pay the piper and blow up one year, get high draft pick, and then rebuild your team and also compete for a decade plus with a really right. competitive team, giving your team and your fan base an opportunity to actually experience some Super Bowl wins. So I think it's an excellent way to operate. And I'm hoping that's what Joe Shane does. I completely agree with you on that, Nick. A few other interesting things that came from his presser. The first one would be that they talked about how he talked about how they started negotiations about a week ago. So just seven days, this whole thing came together with athletes first. And one of the first things he mentioned as far as why they were so sold on Daniel Jones and making this, excuse me, deal happen was he, his belief in what the co is the coaching staff. And, and he says, we have very talented coaches. That was the first thing he said. I yep. thought that stood out to me because that is me understanding that they're looking at this as Daniel Jones is 25 years old. And he even said it in his presser, Joe Shane. He says he can make all the throws. He can run. He, he basically outlined a prospect who has all the physical capabilities. Now, what do you need what do you need to do when you're a prospect who has all the physical capabilities, the frame, even add something as a rusher? Literally, it's it's a lot. It's not the most elite arm you'll ever see, but it's a lot of what you would want from a quarterback. What do you need? You need great coaching. Great coaching can hopefully potentially bring out the mental aspect of his game and really make him an even better player from a mental side, because that's really all that's left for Daniel Jones, in my opinion, to develop as his arm is going to be about what it is right now. And it's fine. His legs are going to be maybe they get worse. Maybe he's not as a dynamic of a rusher as he gets older. That could be a case but that doesn't matter you need to win with your arm anyway as a passer your mind and your arm so what's left is great coaching bringing out his mental ability and what do the giants have right now they have great coaching especially yeah. with mike kafka coming back we saw that on display throughout the entire year there were many iterations of this mike kafka brian dable offense and every single one of them put the giants in a position to succeed so going forward with hopefully more receivers a better offensive line and hopefully with a daniel jones who is more anticipatory and hopefully that will result in more wins. And that's obviously what Joe Shane hopes for as well. Yep. And he spoke about, you know, they said, look, Joe, when you sign a quarterback to a contract like this, and they weren't mentioning that there's a year, you know, three or year four out, either way, it's big money up front for two years. When you sign a quarterback like this, they said, you got to have a belief that he's going to be able to win a Super Bowl. 
It's a pretty stupid question because obviously he's not going to say anything different, but I did think it was interesting that he said in noting why he feels like Daniel Jones can win the Super Super Bowl for this team. He said Daniel Jones played well in his rookie year. And that was something that, you know, we haven't heard Joe Shane discuss much his 2019 season with Pat Shermer. We really, we haven't, you know, it's kind of been just like lost in the mix. No, I know. But the shade that was that he wanted to just throw on Joe judge, he wanted to, but that's just Jason Garrett. Yeah. Jason Garrett. Probably most importantly, Jason Garrett, (laughs) the shade he wanted to throw, but he just didn't. He showed a lot of resolve there. And I heard bad things off the record. Uh, I shouldn't. I mean, I'll say it because I'm not going to implicate anybody with this. I heard bad things off the record about Jason Garrett's overall attention level and commitment when he was a coach with the Giants. I actually heard that he was not like a grinder of film, like doing a lot of the things that you're seeing from like Kafka and other good coordinators around the NFL. So just something to note there. I don't know if it was the most like focused group there when Garrett was calling me shocked there, Dan. (laughs) I don't know why though. It's like, what are you doing, dude? Like, why did you take the job if you weren't that committed? I I just, the Garrett years were weird and I don't know if he's ever going to coach again at this point. So whatever that happened, it's over with. He also said, Joe Shane, that he would have been comfortable with the franchise tag, but he said he didn't want to have to do it. And like, he's like, even look, and this was the interesting part. I thought he's like, we had to take the negotiations down to the actual deadline because that's how it went. Like I wasn't going to budge. And he's like, I learned some things from my time over there in Buffalo. And what he learned is how to be kind of like a hard ass when it comes to these negotiations, you know, they took it all the way down to the wire. And he even said like, they, you know, they saw a side of me that that they probably have never seen so far. He's never, this is the first contract he's had to negotiate, Joe Shane. And I really like how he went about it. He really took it down to the wire. He didn't concede too much. Yeah, they got to that 40 million AAV number, but it's kind of, it's, you know, it's really only for two years. They have the flexibility to get out of it. They even have a team option down the line. There's incentive baked into this. So I think for his first contract that he's done, Joe Shane did a pretty good job of towing the line, of staying hard and true and finding a way to get a deal that was also good for him and that's something that i want my general manager it's something that we've been talking about for years dan and we know we know and we don't know but we can assume with great certainty that if he wasn't the gm and it was dave gettleman still this contract would have been a lot worse for the giants it would have had a lot more guaranteed money it would have had a lot more av and in addition to that they would have signed barkley to a mega five-year deal as well probably around 16 to 17 million a year <laughs> It would have been a nightmare, but you're right too, man. Like you're talking about negotiations, like Joe Shane last year did not have any money. And that was yeah. brought up throughout that press conference as well. Right now with Daniel Jones only making 19 million in 2023, he has money. He can go out and he can find a linebacker. I heard Mike Garofolo on Art Stapleton's podcast actually mentioned Marcus Davenport as a name to monitor for the New York Giants, which is not somebody that I had on the Giants radar just because I'm imagining he's going to make like $17 million a year. But if you think about it, he's like a Jihad Ward on steroids, like a much better Jihad Ward. So I'm guessing that's the thought process behind bringing a guy like that. That's really interesting because Mike Garofalo is very locked in. I also think it's interesting Mm -hmm. because I remember during that draft process, the Giants were tied heavily to Marcus Davenport. There were definitely rumors, not heavily, but there were, I remember seeing rumors the Giants were interested in making him their pick and they, they had somebody that was somebody who they liked. So those tend to happen. That tends to happen sometimes with these free agents, but we'll see what happens there. Obviously, like you said, he's probably going to get a big payday and that might price himself out of the Giants market, but we'll talk about some of the interesting things he said about the cap. But I want to talk about um, what Joe Shane said about Saquon Barkley, who the Giants used the franchise tag on. He said, I'm going to talk to Saquon today. And that was yesterday when he said that. So they're ready to start those negotiations. He said, I talked to him yesterday before we put the franchise tag on him. We've had deals out. 
whether it's the bye week or recently, we're going to continue to negotiate. We love Saquon. He's a good teammate. He's a captain. He's a level player. So right now he's under the franchise tag. And as we build the team and continue our offseason plan, we'll do what's best for the team. We're still mapping it out, but he's going to be a part of this team. So all but locks in that we're not going to see like, you know, we saw it once with Josh Norman when he was in Carolina. Actually, Dave Gettleman was the GM at the time. They had the franchise tag on him and then they let it. They took the tag off and the player was not on that team for that season. And they didn't get anything in return for him. So that's not going to be the case for Saquon Barkley. He is going to be on the Giants at least for the 2023 season. Yeah, and that's what I what I would imagine. I would never even think that Joe Shane would remove the tag and then Saquon Barkley would just walk into free agency. Yeah, no, that was never going to happen. He also talked about why he lowered the cap hit for the 2022-3 season to $19 million for Daniel Jones with these signing bonuses. And he says... The salary cap and the signing bonus, again, where we were, the way we did Daniel's deal, spreads out over four years, and his P5 is $9.5 million this year. And then the proration of the signing bonus, which I think was $36 million. So that's where we see what happens with Saquon. He talks about the franchise number being 10. If you extend him and there's a signing bonus involved, you can free up even more cap space. So he's talking about how he's freeing up cap space with Daniel Jones. He's going to free up even more cap space for the short term. That means for this free agency. Um, he says Dexter Lawrence is a guy we started talking with his representatives. He's on the fifth-year option. If we sign him, you also lower that number with the signing bonus. So that's a third player they can use if they need to to spread more money out and to create more cap space this year. So then when you're talking about like a Marcus Davenport, like you mentioned, Nick, it becomes a little bit more possible if they do sign both Dexter Lawrence and Saquon Barkley to long-term deals before Sunday, before this essentially, you know, free agency period kicks off. And then they can negotiate with a guy like Davenport and give him that kind of big deal. What Patricia Trena of Giants Country asked with Kenny Galladay, Joe Shane said that they weren't finalized on what they were going to do pre or post June, but he said they're leaning towards taking the hit this season. Would that give the Giants less money for the 2023 salary cap this year? For the 2020, if they take the hit this year and get it, get it clean off the books, they'll have a little bit less money to work with next uh, this year, but then they'll have more money to work with next year. Yes. So, yes. Yep. If that's what they ultimately do, I don't think that's been released yet officially. He just said they're leaning towards taking the hit this year. Yeah, he said, look, if we're sitting here next year and there's still $17 million in dead money 12 months from now, He's going to say, gosh, dang, I wish we would have just taken our medicine last year. We'd have more money. And he says there's players like Andrew Thomas, Xavier McKinney. There's other players on the roster they may want to extend or they may want to go outside the building next offseason. They don't want to have to deal with $17 million in dead cap for Kenny Galladay next offseason. Yeah. So I think it makes a lot of sense that they're actually just going to, as long as things work out. And that's a, this, this is the good part about it. You know, They can be flexible with it. They can just go into free agency, see how things go, Nick. And if there are guys they really like, they can sign those guys. And let's say it's like, oh, we signed these guys. There's a signing bonus, but we still need a little bit of cap space and cap flexibility for this offseason. Well, then you turn that Galladay into a post-June 1 cut. You know, you don't have to make that decision now. So they might yep. still take that $17 million dead cap next season, next offseason to free up more space now. It's all dependent on what they're going to do in free agency. And all dependent on the market, too, because yes. like, they're going to be talking to the representatives of these players that they want. And if other teams are offering much more money to them, then the Giants will just say, screw it. We'll just take the medicine now and then let those guys walk and then find cheaper options. Right, exactly. And, and as it pertains to free agency, moving forward to next week and, and the next coming weeks, just because they created this cap space via this Daniel Jones extension rather than the franchise tag doesn't mean they're big-time players in free agency, but it just changes what they're able to do. Joe Shane said, we now have the flexibility this year. 
he said this morning we were going over a free agent market and I know you guys have talked about receivers a lot, but we're still in building. We're still building a team in all three phases. We're going to look to upgrade all units. And he said, it's nice to have the ability to talk about a 5 million per year kind of player. When last year, you know, we didn't really have that kind of ability. He says we can map it all out and there's players that we can go now and procure that maybe weren't able to us in the past last off season. And we'll build a bit. He says, I still believe, though, in building through the draft. And we can sign guys and free agents to help the roster, but I still think with Daniel Dexter coming down the road and some of the other players, Andrew Thomas, you're going to need to build through the draft because I think there's still going to be a lot of players who will be making good money on our roster. So that's the important part. They're not going to get too far ahead of themselves in free agency because they know they got Thomas. They know they got Lawrence. They know they potentially have McKinney down the line. And they need to save cap space for those extensions. So what are we looking at then? Are we looking at maybe one higher-ish priced free agent? I saw a quote from Joe Shane circulating around Twitter yesterday. Uh, it was something along the lines of, we're done with minimum contracts or something. And everyone was perceiving that like, oh, they're going to go out and just spend the bank. I didn't necessarily take it that way. I think they might go and add one semi-big free agent, but I still think what you just said is much more accurate. They're going to be a little bit more conservative in the fact that you have to pay Andrew Thomas. You have to pay Xavier McKinney, who was on their radar, and obviously Dexter Lawrence, who they're looking to possibly re-signing before the 2023 season. Yeah, exactly. They have to be looking forward. This is not just about now, fixing this team for the now. It's going to be about that. That's the way it should be. I'm thinking like he'll go out and he'll, you know, have five million dollar contract, you know, a three point five million dollar contract, and maybe just not a nine hundred k contract and bring yes. in those type of players. With the and I that plus I think we'll get a Glowinski type deal maybe too potentially. But you know, like like I said, like if they can get deals done with Lawrence and Barkley already, you know, it's going to be tight now it's like i got a few days to get these done before free agency starts because remember you can start legally tampering with free agent players now starting this sunday night so it's really they're on a time crunch but if they can they might just do what you, we talked about earlier backload that cap hit for kenny holiday take the 17 million in dead cap next offseason and go after marcus davenport tight we just don't know but everything is in play now because they allowed themselves that flexibility with the jones contract if they had tagged jones they would have had no flexibility and they wouldn't have had the ability to do any of what we just discussed. Even those mid-tier guys, a big name like a Davenport, two Blowinskis, none of that would have happened, which I think was, you know, no matter what anyone says, big driving force in their decision to resign him, especially when they knew they resigned him to this deal and it's really just a two-year deal. This is the offseason. Three-year deal, I should say, not a two-year deal. Sorry. Yeah, three-year deal. This is the but you can get out after two years. You just got to eat yes. some dead cap. Yeah. This is the offseason where we're going to really start seeing Brian Dable and Joe Shane's impression on this roster. Yeah. We're really going to start seeing them go out and get the guys that they want to be New York Giants in their system. And that's really freaking exciting for us. Yeah. It's great news. We're going to finally start to see it all come together for this team and find those, you know, pieces outside of the core that can maybe take this team to a new level. And Leonard Joe Williams Sh is another name you have to bring up too. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that's another way to gain flexibility if they extend and restructure him. Yes, thirty-two million. He's not counting thirty-two million against the cap this season. There's going something is going to be done about that. You would think. You would think, but I would it, hope. You know, yeah, it depends on if he's willing. It all depends where he's at with it. But yeah, you would think so. Um, Joe Shane talked about why he didn't really want to tag. To not only he he talked about how he would have been fine with the tag earlier, but then he mentioned how. What he really didn't want was to have Daniel Jones play out the tag this season. So I think what he meant by he would have been fine with the tag at the time of the deadline was I would have been fine slapping the franchise tag on Jones, but we were going to still look to negotiate and most likely get a deal done for the year. Because he talked about 
how he wanted to know we had our quarterback and it wasn't a franchise tag type of deal. He says, to me, that was the worst case scenario, putting the tag on him and having him play it out. But I also knew that it, we we needed it as a tool. So he said the deal to make sense with the franchise. He said that was what important. The fact that we have to put the franchise tag on him, the way the deal was structured, or the fact that we didn't have to put the franchise tag, he's like, I think both parties won because of that. So definitely something that stood out to me. He also talked about, you know, this I thought was really interesting, Nick. He did mention how the Giants or how he liked Daniel Jones's tape from 2019, but he also said, if I thought I was going to be here a year ago, I would have just done the fifth year rookie option. So that was interesting, right? Because no matter what he says about the 2019 film and all this, the reality is, as he made clear, they didn't feel this way going into at this time last year. Otherwise, they would have just picked up the fifth year tag, right? They weren't anywhere close to where they are now with him. And he said, Part of it was I had to be in the building. I had to see the type of person he was, his work ethic. He says he has all the physical tools. He's athletic. He make all the throws. Just the situation he was in, I look into that too. And he says, I looked into what he went through in year two and three. Um, talent was around him, but there was injuries. And he said that there was a lot that went into it. But he says, being around Daniel for the last 13 months and seeing him play and the fourth quarter comebacks, the winning the playoff game on the road, there's a lot of positives. And the upside – I've got to have belief in our staff and Daniel's work ethic back to the staff. So yeah, it's really just the staff. His belief is the staff and the work ethic. This is what's driving their belief in Daniel Jones, the staff and the work ethic. And obviously that's him too, but and, in, and he has yeah, traits too. He has traits, the traits, the staff and the work ethic. Yeah. Cause yeah. he said the traits, he makes all the throws. He has those comebacks, but it's the staff, the traits and the work ethic all combined. And they got to come together. And he says, he believes that, that they will com combine to make this relationship grow, and he thinks Daniel Jones will get better. He says, if he's just at his floor right now, I'm really excited about what his ceiling is going to be. I appreciate the candor that Joe Shane shows sometimes, right? A lot of times, yeah. a general managers faced with a question like that, they would like dance around it. You know, oh, we evaluate every day, but, but like he'll be like, hey, man, I would have used a fifth year option on that shit. Like, yeah, like, I know. Ed Valentine got that out of his well, shout out for Ed Valentine. But I, I really yeah. do appreciate how he is. He seems to be transparent when he's talking to the media, but he's not doing it in a, in a manner that reveals too much. He gives you a little bit, but he's not being, I would say, irresponsible about it. Yeah, I completely agree with you. He's he's closely guarded, but at the same time open. I want to talk a little bit more about something Joe Shane said that stood out to me about free agency, about that process. And about the draft, because last offseason, the Giants drafted a whole class, and a lot of those players we didn't expect them to draft. Daniel Bellinger, Cordell Flott, Josh Azudu. Three premium picks, none of what we expected. And a big factor in that, Nick, as you know, was that he got a chance to get to know those players. They really had a lot of time put into these. Some of them, you know, some of the Giants' assistants went and really met with these kids and got to know them and learn about them. And that's going to play into his roster-building strategy, because he even mentioned that. He said... With free agency, you don't get to interview them. You don't get to go to their schools. You don't get to learn about them. You don't get to be as diligent with the research on the players. And you have to be much more fiscally responsible about what you pay these guys. And I'm talking about unrestricted free agents, players that come from other teams and sign with the Giants. So as we're going to do our research, and I think we've got some players targeted that will make an impact if the contract structure is right. So we know they're already trying to target guys in free agency, which is cool. But he says, again, 
This is going to be built through the draft. And that's what he means by that. He knows that if he, you know, if he drafts, if he sign, if he doesn't have to worry about signing too many players in free agency, that means he's drafting well. And that means they're getting all the players they actually know rather than these guys who they don't really have the full medical breakdown of some of these free agents. They don't really have the full personal breakdown. They don't know how they interact in a locker room. They don't even know if these guys will fit in the Giants locker room with the current culture that they have. And that's the problem with going crazy in free agency. That's why when you've seen over the years, the Washington Redskins is the best example of the teams that spend big in free agency. It never works out, really. It almost never works out. So don't expect a crazy free agency period because that's not what Joe Shane's going to be about. He wants this thing to be built through the draft, and I'm really happy about that. Unless it's a player he knows. Yeah, exactly. Tremaine, Tremaine right. Edmond, somebody yes. he knows very well. There are players that he's interviewed. And he, even he even harkened back to Daniel Jones in 2019. He's like, hey, I got to know him during the pre-draft process in 2019. Right. He brought that up in one of his answers. So you know that that is something that he always reflects on and he believes is very important. The fact that he gets to interview those kids coming out of college. Because you're right, man. Free agents, it's a totally different story. And if anything, Joe Shane has shown us and displayed to us, it's the importance of creating the right culture in this locker room, like retaining UDFA who have importance and who are team captains and that kind of brings you to julian love like i'm like what's your feel on the julian love situation right now dan yeah the julian love situation is interesting we can even discuss what he said there yeah. they asked him specifically about julian love um they said without naming any names well how you know <laughs> tell me about the free agent safety market he's like there's depth there i really think there's depth there that i thought was interesting that he mentioned yeah. the depth on the free agent safety market he says, when you're looking at the markets, I think you really need to look at the draft too. Let's say it's a deep safety market in the free agency, and there's also really good safeties in the draft. Well, then sometimes that should that should and will suppress the market. So he says, we're going to take that into account. If player and their price gets out of hand, we also know what the landscape of the draft looks like. There's different avenues where you can acquire players. Again, we'll make sure that we're aware of all those. So it didn't sound like a ringing endorsement for bringing Julian Love back, to say the very least. No, I didn't think so either. And I still think that can realistically happen, but it's looking like he's going to test the market now. And given the financial situations of teams around the NFL, there's a good chance he's going to get a pretty big market deal, I think. And that's the interesting part too. But then again, I don't know. People are saying that. There's speculation he might, but I don't know how teams view his tape around the NFL and how they view him as a player overall. To me, you have to make concessions as an NFL roster, and I would personally just be fine moving on from Julian Love. I love him as a player. He's a great team leader. That part of it matters. But we're saying the same things about Logan Ryan. I know at the time, Logan Ryan was 30 years old and Julian Love is much younger. But I think at his peak, Logan Logan Ryan was a much more impactful player than Julian Love was. I did not love love in the you're going to say love love a lot, but I yeah. did not love love in that safety role last year. I think he did his job and was okay and was around the ball at the right times and made some like big plays being around the ball. All that is true, but like I I want more out of that safety, especially if you're playing that role where you're coming down into the box and you're filling that alley. I don't see much playmaking ability in the deep passing game out of him. I don't see him jumping passes. There's just not. It's a very he's a very sound player who's around the football a lot and does. His his job and is a great team leader, but it's a salary cap error. And I just don't like if he's going to the market and someone's offering him eight or nine or $10 million AAV on a multi-year deal with guaranteed money, that's just not something I'm, I'm all that interested in. I'm with you on the salary cap part. And I know, and I know you like Julian Lovett, like you said, but I do think there's so much value in that type of player who can handle so many different responsibilities and who is very smart because Julian Love was asked to do so much, especially after Xavier McKinney was injured and his impact as a run defender. And I know it really sucked. I believe it was the divisional round. He had like five or six missed tackle, like tackles against Philadelphia. Like that was a really bad game, but 
outside of that, he was a pretty damn good tackler and he looked really good on film, despite the fact that he's only what, like 5'11, 195 pounds. He's not landing Collins, right? He's not Jabril Peppers. He doesn't have that type of oomph to him. And that's what I think you want in your alley defender. But I do think he makes up he has more of an ability in coverage than those two specific players did. So sure. if he's gone, I'll, I'll miss him. But I understand because you're right. This is a market. There could be a team that is willing to pay him 12 million. And I'm just not hundred percent certain if the giants should do that. When you have safeties coming into the draft, it's not the deepest safety draft from what I've seen so far, but I haven't really dove deep into that position, but you're right. Just going through some of these other names who are going to be available in free agency. There's a lot of guys, guys like Nasir Adderley, Taylor rap, yeah. Sean Elliott, who has, experience with Wink Martindale. Jesse Bates is probably at the top of the market. Jordan Poyer, who knows Joe Shane very well. Jimmy Ward, Adrian Amos, Von Bell. Like there's, there's a lot of names that, that have a lot of cachet around the NFL for the safety position who can cover and who can fill the alley as well. Yeah. And it's all true about Julian Love. Like he played pretty well, I thought, and he's smart, tough, and dependable, which is something the Giants value for sure. But I just worry about signing multi-year deals with guaranteed money on players who are, are, pretty good at everything but not really good at okay. very good at anything else that's like where it's where it really comes down to me um and i just i don't know i don't i didn't love his i i thought look he made our like best hustle player a lot on our film right he he, did, he made that he earned that accolade a lot last season yeah. which was definitely good and that's something to note um but i don't know i just it's a lot of money to give to somebody who is just smart, tough, dependable, which is good, but like, and a good locker room guy and he can do all the responsibilities. He plays a lot of roles, but there's a lot of D backs. I think who can, who can potentially fill in what he's done at a much cheaper price and maybe a little bit of a drop off, but not enough to justify that money. Like most things in this business, it's going to come down to the economics. So we'll have to yep. wait and see what that is. And luckily, man, free agency is right around the corner. Very excited yep. about it. Without a doubt. Okay, so keep it locked and loaded. That's all we have for today, breaking down this presser and the Daniel Jones contract details. We now both think this is a big win for the Giants, which is great as we got the details. Also solid for Jones, but I really like where the, this puts the Giants for sure on this front. More coming. We're going to have an interview with Kent Lee, the creator of the RAS Relative Athletic Score, to talk a little bit about the Giants in the, you know, how they, how the first Giants draft was shaped in a lot of ways by the athleticism of those players. And we'll look into that and some other key takeaways from the combine, things of that nature for the draft prospects coming up. Draft profiles coming up as well. Those might be on a bit of a pause and hold because next week is likely to be filled with a ton of free agency reaction and things of that nature. So otherwise, keep it locked and loaded. You're going to have a great rest of your week, or we hope you have a great rest of your week, and we'll talk to you soon. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.